Tonight we're going to talk about the measure. The measure. If you would go with me to the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, we're going to be reading from chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. Jesus says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured, or put, depending on your translation, into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You notice the word measure in there? Now when you look at Luke chapter 6 verses 37 and 38, what he's doing is, it looks to me like a detailed explanation of the golden rule. Except here he states it in the negative. Instead of saying whatever you would have others do unto you, do unto them, he says, here's what you don't do. If you don't want this, why do this? And so he begins by saying, here's what you don't do in any relationship, but especially your marriage relationship. Do not judge Because judging leads to condemning. You can't condemn unless you've spent your time judging somebody first. That's the only way you can get to condemning. So he says don't start it. Don't judge because judging leads to condemning. And he says this. If you judge and condemn her, she's going to judge and condemn you. That's exactly what's going to happen. So he says, don't do it. Just make up your mind to resist that tremendous temptation. The greatest temptation that we face is probably to criticize. Say, no, I will not do that anymore. He says, instead, what you need to do is forgive. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Boy, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Withholding forgiveness is a really bad move. First of all, because it doesn't make you feel very good. But secondly, because it provokes something. That's what he says. It provokes resentment and retaliation. That's what you're going to get when you withhold forgiveness. If you refuse to move on after you've had a conflict or some issue, if you refuse to move on, then she feels justified in withholding forgiveness from you. And so both of you are caught on this merry-go-round of discontent. You're absolutely stuck until somebody decides to get off. So, if your spouse makes a repair attempt, 
If they take the initiative and say, okay, I'm sorry. I want to beg you, receive it graciously. Because honestly, pretty soon you're going to be the one seeking forgiveness. And well, as a man sows, so shall he also reap. So we, we need to remember that. If, if he or she makes a repair attempt, receive it graciously. But if they don't, just make up your mind to go first. Jesus says, forgive and you'll be forgiven. In fact, do you remember what Jesus said about how often we should forgive? 70 times 7? Why would Jesus say that? Because we mess up a lot. And the only way to have a happy and long marriage is to get really good at forgiving because both of us are going to need forgiveness. It's a Christian skill set. And he says we ought to be ready to forgive and we ought to be eager to forgive. So forgive and you shall be forgiven. If they make the repair attempt, fine. If not, you go first. Because if judgment provokes judgment, let me tell you what else. Grace evokes grace. And so when she doesn't feel like she has to defend herself, she's less invested in hurting you. Okay? So that's what we want. That's what we want to do. Now, when we look at this process, he goes on from here and tells us what we ought to do next. All right, let's look at this. Let's review the process real quick. Don't judge and criticize or condemn because it just produces a backlash. Instead, here's what you need to do. You need to forgive and love more than ever. Even though you may have been hurt, you need to forgive and love more than ever. And when you forgive and love more than ever, uh, things have an opportunity for healing and for reconciliation. Give, and it will be given to you. What do you want? Love? Give love. That's what you need to do. What would you want if you were in that circumstance? More understanding of the circumstances, and maybe what I did wasn't right, but... More forgiveness, a little more respect, more love. Whatever you would want, that's what you need to give in that circumstance. But now here's the key, because I said we're going to talk about the measure. The key to making this process work. Here's how the process works. In verse 38, he goes on to say this. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. When you opt to forgive and to love again, there can be no holding back of the heart. There can't be any half measures 
Because if you forgive begrudgingly and your spouse senses it, you know what it feels like? You call it forgiveness. They call it judging and condemning. So if they sense your reluctance, it's going to make things worse instead of better. I know what you said, but it didn't feel like that. And so not only is it going to mess up this process, but she's going to begin to doubt you. And that becomes a habit. And that makes it twice as hard to fix things next time. So we have to be really careful. What he says is, here's how much you give. How much? A good measure. Oh, what's a good measure? Pressed down. Not just, I think about feed sacks. I grew up on a farm. Not just a sack full, but you press it down. You shake it together. You fill it up again until it's running over. That's what you give. This is worth the whole week together. What Jesus says here is the secret to to marriage. He says the measure absolutely matters. So, if you want much, what have you got to give? Much. If you give little, what are you going to get? Little. So the secret to marriage is to give more rather than less. And when you think that you have given all that you can give, think again. Reach down in your love sack. Press it down, shake it together, and see if there's not something more. In 2 Corinthians, we're told in chapter 9, in verse 8, about this important Process this important principle. He's talking about giving, backing up in verse 6. The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided You see, you can decide this in your heart. Don't give reluctantly under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And you know what? He loves a cheerful forgiver. And God is able, I don't know if I can forgive, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I think that principle applies to monetary giving, but I think it also applies in the realm of the spiritual. He's saying don't withhold. Don't withhold forgiveness. Don't withhold love. If that's what you want, you can't withhold it. It makes no sense. He says it's crazy. It doesn't work that way. Let me give you an illustration. If you've ever gotten in the water during the chilly months, not maybe winter, but the chilly months, do you remember how you got in the water? Some of you were brave and it was quick, but for most of us, 
you put your toe in first. When you stick your toe in, you kind of draw it back because it's chilly. But you might then put your foot in. And then you pull it out and you say, well, I don't know. You might go to your ankle. You might go to your knee. You might go to your calf or thigh. You see, what you're talking about is a painful process. That inch-by-inch method is, is painful. And when you try to get forgiveness and reconciliation by that inch-by-inch method, by forgiving sparingly, I'm going to give you a toe of forgiveness. <laughs> How does that feel to the person on the receiving end? Now, here's the problem with it. What's actually going on is you're bargaining for love. You're saying, okay, I'm going to give you this much forgiveness, this much room, and then I will see how you do. We see bargaining for love invites scorekeeping. And scorekeeping is judging. And judging inevitably leads to condemning. And you know what's really going on? Just to be honest with you, what's really going on has a whole lot less to do with reconciliation than self-justification. That what, what is really going on is me saying, well, at least I tried. And I told you so. So rather than the inch-by-inch inch method, what does he say? Well, what would you want if you were in that circumstance? Give, and it will be given to you. This is the hope in, in normal and psychologically healthy relationships. This is the norm that you want because where love abounds, relationships rebound. And that's the key. That's how it's supposed to work in our lives. Now, what I read in this passage is this. God wants to put, in fact, God wants to pour the very best into your lap. Isn't that what it says? Give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, uh, running over, a good measure, running over shall be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God wants to pour his best blessings into your lap. To pour. The idea here is that he, it's not a drip. God's not going to give you a drip. To pour means a constant an abundant flow. But the key to receiving God's best, here's the secret. You must give your best because with the measure you give, it will be given to you. He tells you how he's going to do it. He wants to give you his very best. So the point here is this, that if you don't like what you're getting in your marriage, there's a reason. 
If you don't like what you're getting in your marriage, this isn't for every case, but it's the general rule. If you don't like what you're giving, could it be not intentionally, but possibly that I am receiving what I have given? The most stubborn truth of life is, as a man sows, so shall he reap. Be not deceived. And we kid ourselves, don't we? We deceive ourselves. God is not mocked. You cannot circumvent this life rule. It's a maxim there, but, but it is absolutely true that in most cases, this is what happens. Therefore, if I have a lap full of pains, a lap full of problems, instead of God's best poured into my lap, could it be that there's this hidden source of unpleasant feelings that's causing it? Could it be that she's hurting me because she's hurting? Could I be the originating source of my own pain? I don't understand it. I didn't mean to. But here's, here's what happens. The way you look at her, the words you say to her, the tone you use when you speak, the actions or the lack of thoughtfulness of action in your marriage always provokes a response so that the reaction is you having poured back into your lap that which you have given that which you have sown so if we want God's best then we need to be giving our very best it's an amazing process when we look at it in John 8:32 Jesus said You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe that? That's the truth about the gospel plan of salvation and how our sins are forgiven. It's the truth about the New Testament church and its identifying features and how we ought to be guided in our worship and our service to God and our moral and ethical lives. But it's also true about our married lives. And the truth about marriage is this. I want you to know this truth. This truth will set you free. The truth about marriage, according to Jesus, is that you're going to receive what you give in the measure you give. That's what Jesus says. In most cases, it's a matter of sowing and reaping. It's not a matter just of intentions, but it's a matter of our actions. So we need to understand that process. And if we want these blessings, he says it will set you free. Let me explain that. When you understand that the truth of marriage is that most people are receiving what they give and the measure that they give, understanding this will set you free from denial. I don't have a problem or blame. She's got the problem. 
It will set you free from those attitudes that are holding you back in your life and holding you back in your marriage. I know it hurts. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free, but it hurts. To face the truth about ourselves and the pain we brought into the lives of the people that we made a, a promise to love and to protect and to cherish. I understand that. But when you do embrace this truth and your heart is finally pricked, that's where the healing begins. That's where the pouring begins. The blessings truly begin. This is the way that the stream of love works. Love flows from God's heart to your heart. From your heart to her heart. From her heart right back into your lap. So, to receive love, give love, to receive more, give more. John 7, 38 tells us, whoever believes in me, Jesus tells us, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart is going to flow the rivers of life. Think about love finally flowing unrestricted out of your heart into the life of your family. Isn't it time to let the blessings flow? So if you're here tonight, I hope that if you've not made the pledge to be your best in order to glorify God, to be your best, to show your devotion to him by being your best in loving your spouse and in loving your children, that you'll do that. I hope that you'll pledge today to make Jesus not only your savior, to forgive your past, but your Lord, to direct your paths into the future, to make him your model, that you follow in learning what a life of love looks like. And I hope you'll understand the measure matters. I think that's why you need to be baptized by immersion. Because it says, I am totally committed. I'm all in. I'm completely washed by the blood of Christ. But I am going to give up every selfish way to be my best for God. So if you have not yet obeyed the gospel, what a wonderful night this would be to bring joy to your father and joy to your family. Or if you need prayers, won't you come as we stand and sing?